0: Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, who is our honorable guest today? <laughs> John, whenever you say honorable, it makes me worry you're going to get like a sucker punch in there against them. But no, it is you. Case we, only we a,
1: for you, David.
0: We have a very, we have an outstanding guest today, Dr. Dina Bravada, a healthcare entrepreneur and so much more. And she's going to talk to us about Mental health, John.
1: Well, Dina, my old friend, welcome. And I'm so excited to have you on to, 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 for us to kind of talk a little bit about and unpack this big issue about mental health, COVID, behavioral health, the teen mental health crisis. There's a lot to dig into since you were one of the co-founders of Lyra and, uh, and an internal medicine and a, and a, and a healthcare policy wonk. Uh, welcome.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be with both
0: of you. John, before you ask one of your big intellectual questions, can I ask a question that has been on my mind? I'll I'll try. Here's the question. What is behavioral health?
2: Uh... You know, it's a great question. And I think that like people, you know, on, in, on our side, right? Like we use that term all the time and just expect everyone else to know what it is. So behavioral health is defined as the combination of both mental health plus addiction services. And so it is like the broadest possible um, category for like the topic of helping people with any of those kinds of issues.
1: I, I really do hate the way healthcare people generalize things to the point where it's really hard to understand what they're talking about. But, but on this beha- broad behavioral health topic, how are we doing as a country post COVID and what's happening with mental health and, and addiction?
2: Um, so, you know, I think that there was just a ton of press about, you know, kind of the dual pandemic, if you will, of COVID-19 plus mental health. And um, and and I, I would say that one of the things that we have seen is that actually that's kind of a fallacy, right? Um, mental health and spend for both, um, you know, commercially insured populations and other populations has been going up well before the pandemic. Uh, and um, and I think, you know, some of the good things that happened during the pandemic were, were like a decrease in stigma. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that, but um, so that there was like a greater recognition, but actually year over year spending um, uh, for behavioral health services, you know, predates the pandemic by three or four years, right? Um, and uh, but, and the sad thing about that is that like the cost just kind of to be going up
1: and, and do you think the costs mirror sort of a, a pre-pandemic of anxiety, depression addiction you know that that whole cluster is that is that really the
2: right, right way to read the data? I think it is right. So, so depression, the, the the conditions that you just mentioned, depression and anxiety, are very, very prevalent. Now, the cost per patient for those um, doesn't have to be so high because a lot of people can get outpatient care, right? So, you can you can see a psychotherapist and get talk therapy. Um, you you know, if you if if it's not so severe, right, you might be able to do well with just a digital intervention, right? Like digital psychotherapy, or you can see your primary care doctor and, you know, get some meds, um, or see a psychiatrist, right? Like all of that outpatient care need not be so expensive. So why has the why has the slope of the curve been increasing? Well, it's both that more people are getting care, um, but it's also that more people are getting more intensive care, right? And some services like addiction services in particular um, uh, can be much more costly and can sometimes require even hospitalizations or intensive outpatient programs, for example.
0: So how much of the the growth you know is related just to the reduction of stigma, so that untreated people are being treated, and how much is that that, that let's say prevalence has gone up over time?
2: Yeah. Well, so so I think that there is, you know, both of these factors are, are playing a part. But what I would say is that pre-pandemic, right, about one in four uh, adults reported uh, mild to moderate symptoms, right? And in surveys that are, you know, coming out now, it's, you know, more than half of the population are now reporting moderate to severe symptoms, right? So you have more people, Right. And probably, and, and because we've all just come through this like horrendous mental health, you know, stressful period of quarantine and, and, you know, dealing with the pandemic. Right. So, so, so more people have mental health conditions and and we have more severe disease happening as well. So, um, so, uh, you know, and how much of it is that like, okay, well, once you get so sick, then, you know, stigma be damned, if you will, um, I'll go in and get care. Uh, you know, I, that is certainly, I think, also playing a part here.
1: D- d- my understanding is the success rate for addiction services is actually quite low, Dina, even though addiction is going up, you know, whether it's uh, t- Tobacco is up among teens. Alcohol is up a- across all categories. Generalized drug use seems to be, illegal drug use seems to be up. How do we, f- it first, is that true? And secondly, how do we fix it?
2: Yeah. I think it depends on the population that you look at. Right. Um, And, uh, but, but taking care of addiction is a thorny problem. Right. And it's, so um, there is a company called Anum, uh, which was based um, on the able to model. And, um, and uh, the reason why, and and they took care of people with heavy drinking. And um, the reason why the company was called Anum is because, um, you know, you, you need a year of care, right, to really change someone's behaviors. And so, so um, it isn't to say that, you know, that people who have severe depression, that that isn't a chronic condition that requires lifelong care. But I think if you're comparing, you know, addiction issues to more, you know, kind of mild to moderate mental health um, symptoms, it's, it's harder to take care of.
0: And what do you mentioned, you know, is this, some people could just benefit from a digital intervention. I've read about these digital therapeutics and it's like developed like a drug. It's approved and it's, but it seems to me, I mean, isn't it just a game? It seems like it's like a lot of just hocus pocus involved in this. So what, what am I going to be prescribed uh, something for it? You know, tell my kid, you know, go play on the computer. Is it any different?
2: um well it's, it's a great question i um so there was a there was a study that came out in the british medical journal that tried to actually answer the question that you're posing david right and so and it's considered a negative trial right so um th- there are lots of studies of individual digital interventions that show that they work but this was this was a study that looked uh, um uh at trying to compare in-person psychotherapy with digital psychotherapy and it was a negative trial based because um, because the in-person psychotherapy uh, had greater benefit than the digital um, uh, intervention alone. However, uh, in an ad hoc analysis, what they looked at were those folks who uh, stuck with the digital CBT for at least six sessions. And in that population, actually, there was therapeutic equivalence between seeing someone in person and using um, the digital tool. And so my read of that, is that psychotherapy is hard, right? You know, you're changing how you think about things and how you behave. And um, and if you have to show up and talk to your psychotherapist, John, about it, and he's going to harass you, um, you know, have you done your homework? I'll
1: definitely harass him. <laughs> um, uh,
2: you know, that that's a motivation to do the homework and to do the hard work of psychotherapy and that with a digital tool, not all of them have, you know, that kind of accountability built in. So, so a lot of experts, Experts really think of digital tools as an effective adjunct. But I think that there is also a lot of promise of using them, especially if you can use them in an engaging way so that you really can get people to like do the work, right? Um, because like, I think there's ample evidence to suggest that if you can do that, they are effective.
1: Dina, I think the, the other challenge in, in the digital therapeutic area is, is that if you once you start digging, you realize there's literally thousands of digital tools out there. And I think David, if you, you you rank them by by where it's effective and where it can be in, in integrated, but there's also some other interesting research Tina, where a, a number of those subpopulations actually were more comfortable given an alternative being a regular client of the of the of the robot shrink than the actual shrink. Um, for a number of reasons, one the the, the stigma and the personal they they felt like they were making progress. Mm-hmm. Second, convenience. I mean, mm-hmm. it was working. It's, if it doesn't work, they don't people don't show. Second, convenience, and third, the 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 the, the perceived anonymity, mm-hmm. um, so that they could they could unpack it without either a success, convenience, or 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 safety. I think they don't work. But if you've got those things, and I think that's particularly true of harder to reach teen populations where there's some really exciting early stage stuff. And, uh, that's, 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 that's pretty interesting. But what I was shocked at was how, but that there are literally thousands of applications out there in terms of digital, di- digital mental health support or, 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 or potentially behavior change. How how do you I mean you're an expert in this area, how do you filter through for what people should be looking for versus not as a as a as a as an expert and a thoughtful consumer?
2: Oh, well, so first I would say, you know, if someone is, you know, is working with a clinician, either a primary care doc, right. Um, and it'd be fun to talk a little bit more about the role of primary care in treating behavioral health conditions, but, you know, or a psychotherapist, they likely have some tool that they have used. And so I, I think that that's probably a great first step. Um, but then I think, right, like, so, so CBT is like perfect for automation,
1: Cognitive behavioral therapy, the the traditional talk therapy.
2: Yes. Thank you. And so, um, but like the instance, right? So like, what is the issue that this psychotherapy is trying to take care of? and to what extent is the digital tool very specific for that? So I'll give you a great example, right? So Sleepio was based on, um, you know, the principal investigators had done all this work of um, and really demonstrated what was necessary for cognitive behavioral therapy for people with insomnia. And then they built a digital tool based off that extensive knowledge. And oh, by the way, it really works, right? Sleepio, is a great, um, digital therapeutic for people with primary insomnia. And, um, and so I, so there are other applications, right? So, you know, other folks have built specific things for post women with postpartum depression, for example. Right. And I I think that kind of specificity of what are the exercises, you know, that are like specific for that particular population, that would be another thing that I would look for. It's
1: probably good Dave, because you're you, smiling because you're, are you smiling because you're thinking about what my psychiatrist is working on with me because it's a broad range, if that's
0: <laughs> no, John, here's what I'm thinking about. So you think about like, we use these terms like adherence, right? So you want someone who's an adherent to their digital therapeutic. Well, it's not that different from thinking about somebody who's building an app and they try to make it to be addictive. Now, as Dina said that, you know, the whole point about behavioral health as it encompasses addiction as well as as well as mental health so some of the same things that we look for adherence is actually is like kind of causing addiction or it's going to play on on the same kind of uh kind of forces there so i like the idea
1: no it'd be it'd be
0: it'd be the same neural pathways you're right so it's sort of like, and then if I like it, you know, the digital health is convenient. On the other hand, maybe if I have anxiety, it also enables me just to stay on the sofa instead of going in. And even if I don't get anything out of the, uh, the therapy session itself, the fact that I got on the train or went outside, and had to get dressed, maybe that's therapeutic too. So I, I just, I just want to caution us to be careful, uh, but what we're enabling and getting excited about.
2: Yeah, David, I, you're you're kind of touching a little bit on, um, you know, with this convenience factor on the role of telehealth in behavioral health. Maybe we could talk about that sure. for a sec. Sure, let's do that. So, and you know, you're doing so, a very nice
0: job. You don't realize that John is such a, a difficult guy that when you say, maybe we should talk about this, he, he's supposed to say, <laughs> you're being guided, John. Let's talk about this. Okay, let's talk about telehealth. <laughs> and let's talk about primary care, too. I, I, I want to get I, that one. Yeah, well... <laughs>
1: Go, Dean, let's, 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 uh, let let's 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 dig into telehealth because telehealth is the the hot new thing, or was the hot new thing in healthcare. Now, with the end of the public emergency regulations, it's really under a new level of scrutiny as to whether the flexibility that the feds allowed, David, uh, you have got to follow the regulatory stuff. Got
0: to do it, John. Closely.
1: Um, that, that, that there may be some restrictions and barriers put into something that that felt like during COVID, we kind of proved that it worked. I mean, any, 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 any thoughts on that? And specifically with regard to mental health access?
2: Yeah, for sure. So prior to the pandemic, there was about 4% of outpatient visits for commercially insured populations were managed through a telehealth visit. Um, and that went to in excess of 90%, you know, by April of 2020. So like a month into uh, the pandemic. And there's a lot that is hidden in that in that enormous shift from, uh, you know, not just, who got telehealth services, but, but very importantly, who provided them, right? So prior, there were a lot of companies like, you know, Teladoc, Doctor on Demand, um, you know, Amwell, uh, that were specific companies that provided telehealth services. Um, but what we see today in this enormous shift is that actually, like, every doctor in America or most, many doctors, right? Like had to be able to offer telehealth. And so, so so that's, I think, you know, for me as a primary care doc, historically, right? That's a great thing because it means that the patient's care is not being discoordinated, right? They aren't getting like a telehealth service from Mm -hmm. one entity that's not necessarily able to see their full medical record and, you know, and isn't, you know, sort of the team taking care of them. Okay. So, so to your point, right, telehealth, you know, peaked and is starting to come down a little bit, but, you know, we still have enormous, right, like the the public really, you know, figured out that even, you know, seniors whom we might have thought to be um, less tech savvy, right, other populations that I think we were all surprised used a lot of telehealth. Now, um, on the commercial side, um, uh, today, interestingly, about 80% of telehealth services are for a behavioral health condition, right? And and that makes a lot of sense, right? Because you can do psychotherapy, you don't really need to do a physical exam, um, right? Like, you, you guys figure out which of you is having a bad day or not, you know, uh, via this, uh, this modality. And so telepsychiatry, telepsychotherapy, um, now representing just this huge proportion of, um, of all telehealth services. Um, we published a paper, uh, a few months ago, and I think it's notable, um, to say, like, who is not getting telehealth and who is not having access to telepsychiatry and telemental health. And it's people in rural areas. Um, it's younger people. Um, uh, it won't surprise you that it's lower income um, and other populations, other vulnerable populations. And so I think the SDOH disparities that we have elsewhere in healthcare are really like a you know, are, are evident here as well.
0: So you talked about, you know, people were surprised that maybe older populations were willing to use telehealth. Now they also have, they tend to be well-insured with Medicare um, and they use Zoom so that they can talk to their grandkids and all that. How are, how are the kids doing? How about mental health for, for kids? How's, how's that gone? I've heard a lot of concerns and, you know, maybe split it out by, by age group because it's not just, you know, kids versus seniors.
2: Yeah, um, so I think that, and, and I, I, I hope that, th- that this will not be news to people. I think that there is now a light that is being shown on really this mental health, uh, you know, like epidemic. You hate to use that word these days for, uh, kids and teens. So the rate of growth of mental health spending among um adult populations was about 13% between 2021 and 2022. For kids, so for pediatric populations, so that's 12 and under, the rate of gro- growth last year was 23% and for teenagers it was um 18%. So so like so, so and the actual spend On those kids is higher, so it's it's not quite double, but almost. And so so why is that, right? Like, um, why are I mean, they're little people. Why aren't their bills smaller than for adults? And um, and experts in this area, you know, really um, uh, you know corroborate this finding, which is that like kids are presenting later in their course of disease. Therefore, they're requiring more intensive therapies, right? Often they're actually requiring hospitalization. So a lot of those factors that we talked about earlier that are driving costs, we see that in particular in pediatric and teen populations.
0: Dean, how does, one um, more, I got another drug question, John, before I, it'll sure. slip my mind. How is, um, how is uh, the you know, legalization of cannabis playing into mental health for, for teens and, and for adults for that matter?
2: You know, I'm not an expert in the area. I think that, you know, f- certainly there are acute illnesses associated with like acute psychosis um, uh, from uh, use of marijuana uh, and that are driving hospitalizations. That, that's an expensive thing to take care of. Also, um, there are, you know, folks who are suffering from addiction from those, um, even though they're classically not considered um, uh, high highly addictive. Addictive substances. Um, some people are finding behaviorally that they're unable to, you know, sort of enjoy a day without them. So, uh, so you know, I, I think that still today, you know, among you know, sort of the the like, what's driving the big numbers for commercially insured populations? It's um, it's much more alcohol um, and you know the other sort of standard uh, substances.
1: So Dina, I wanted to dig into the, uh, the, the stigma meter here. Like if you, if you say, you know, the most stigmatized form of health conditions, like sexually transmitted diseases, sex transmitted stuff. And the least is like going to uh, a diet, going to a, 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 a pediatrician when your when your child spikes a temperature of, of, of over a hundred, where are we in terms of progress to get mental health and addiction services, closer to just a a visit to a a clinician versus versus something that's hidden, which I think is, 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 is a compound challenge for mental health in general.
2: Yeah. Um, A a friend of mine, who's a smart benefit leader said to me pre pandemic uh, that let's see, I want to be able to quote him exactly um, that the specter of shame uh, around mental health um, extends deeply into my office. And by that, he meant that the notion that you would walk into the head of HR of your department and say, you know, my heroin addiction is really getting the better of me. I'd like some help, please. Right. Like th- that's not something that happens very often. Right. Um, uh, but and so I think that certainly for addiction in particular, right, like the stigma is, is still very hard. Um, but you know, we, the, during the pandemic people talked about, right. Like, you know, sort of mommy's little helper and, you know, and, and many employers like put out, you know, and like many new benefits around mental health.
1: We did a bunch, which we, 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 we added all kinds of stuff. Because we're work from home and when you can't, you can't even help your friends if you're not around them, if you're work from home. It's a, and w- at a number of different levels, we at the care centrics and a number of others tried. I, I, I still feel though that you're reinforcing the truth, which is, you know, like, let's look at opioid use. Uh, opioid use epidemic is still going up. It is a common problem. It's often triggered, but not by choice. Um, but you know, it, 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 if you can't, don't go for help, you're not, you know, it's going to end poorly. Um, I just, I, 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 I fear we're not making enough progress fast enough. Um, uh, David, like- what say you, you're yeah. sitting up, you're sitting up there with your, with a, with a stern look on your face. Am I running over my time?
0: Well, John, this, I thought I, I, I was just trying to correct for the smile, you know, cause <laughs> he didn't seem to like that one before. So, no, I don't know. Uh, I think it's limited, you know, what an employer can, can really do. I mean, yeah, they. The, you know they are gonna go and solve all all the problems, and you talk about uh you know, the you know opioid epidemic was was upon us, and it seems to have gotten worse during the pandemic. It's harder to do anything about it. because people aren't even you know aren't even working. you've got things like fentanyl that are out there, so imagine trying to stop that uh so we just have just this huge problem, and I guess the question is whether we have um, an opportunity to be optimistic here or not. I mean, I understand, yeah, that the spending's gone up, there's a lot of problems it's been noted, maybe some digital therapeutics can help, there's things that can be done in the primary care and telehealth and so on. But I mean, are we going to be here in five years just talking about how it got so much worse and we saw it coming? Or are we had some possibility to to do something to slow the you know, slow this bad
1: progress. Maybe we should talk to the expert about that. Dina, that's probably a great question to a- end on. What, 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 what's your read? Five years from now, where will we be and, and how might we get there faster?
2: Yeah, I am, I am enormously hopeful, right? So, so one of the great things is that there are effective therapies for the most common behavioral health. Concerns, right? We have effective psychotherapy medications. I also, um, so I also think that there's like this emerging field of interventional psychiatry that's very interesting, right? So in the, in the olden days, we maybe thought about ECT as like the only intervention. And that's, you know, and it was shrouded in this kind of, you know, like,
1: Electroconvulsive therapy. Yes,
2: yes. Um, but today we have novel interventions, including transcranial magnetic stimulation. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm, um, and study now around the use of psychedelics, um, especially for people with, um, treatment resistant depression and anxiety. So, so I'm, I'm very hopeful about this increasing expansion of, of effective therapies. And back to the point about the role of employers, I think that employers have a huge role to play, right? Because if your employer is saying, look, this is so prevalent and, um, and we all have to, um, you know, take care of our stress and our mental health. Right. And, you know, today, 78% of employers offer a mental health program and many of them offer more than one, right? So not just like an EAP, right? But, but like a, a range of programs for, you know, folks with more mild, moderate disease and then, you know, for more significant disease. And so, so I, I am, I am very hopeful about this. I think, um, you know, I also, you know, on that we talked about teens, and you know, there are companies like Brightline that are really just dedicated to kids and their families, and um, you know, so we're we're having you know more and more innovation around the care of specific populations as well. So I think lots to be very, very great. Well, John, now I'm smi- now I'm smiling, John,
0: because it's a I love ending on an optimistic note, and I want to say that's it for yet another edition of Care Talk. We've been speaking today with Dr. Dina Bravada about
1: behavioral health. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. And David, again, I need to remind you that the future the future will be owned by the bold and the optimistic and the practical. And we've got one of those bold, optimistic, and practical agents of change in Dr. Dina Bravada. Dina, thanks for joining today.
2: Thank you so much. It was really fun.
1: And if you liked what you heard or you didn't, please subscribe on your favorite service.